<laughs> oh, John Williams is coming back for the Obi Wan series too. Yeah, he's giving him his own theme. Oh, John Williams is coming. He's the OG. Yeah, he's the oldest of G's. He's got that G in his own. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ninety Nine Nerds Podcast Official Episode One Launch Party. Hi, I'm Austin. I'm I'm Austin's brother. <laughs> I'm David. That's my brother. We're two brothers, and we decided after talking about this forever, we decided what the world really needs is another podcast show. What do you think? I think when me and Austin get into a room. And we start talking about Star Wars. There's like this unsaid, like feeling in the room that people want to listen to us. <laughs> Everybody wants to know. No, I think it's just something that there is so much going on, especially with Star Wars overall. But there's just so many layers to what Star Wars is that not a lot of people know. Even they watch the movies and they think they're entertaining. But I've, I've gotten to a couple of re- um, conversations with people recently who have never seen the Clone Wars animated series or Rebels, or they just got introduced to Mandalorian, and there's so many little nuances and Easter eggs and things that uh, when, you, when you have the full depth of knowledge of what's going on, it changes the way you watch the show, it changes the way you look at the characters. and. Uh, we have watched enough Star Wars to know that in-depth second, third, fourth, fifth layer of Star Wars lore. We don't know everything. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know everything. But uh, the plans that Disney has for Star Wars moving forward, I think that it is worth us starting this to talk about what's going on in Star Wars. Um, but it's not called 99 Wars or 99 Stars. It's called 99 Nerds because we want to leave room uh, to talk about other things that's going on. One of the things I want to talk about today is the new Batman movie because that is something that kind of fits within this genre, the nerd kingdom, if you will, and we enjoy uh, all that stuff. We like talking about it. We like talking about the in-depth stuff, the little Easter eggs, the comic book references, the, what was this character like in this movie adaptation versus that actor's take on it and all of that. So, yeah, just a, a general conversation, and this is something that we have done Every time there's a new episode, a new movie, a new rumor, we sit down and talk about it, and we got to the point where we finally decided why not just stick a camera in front of our face with a microphone, um, because we have some pretty entertaining conversations with it. Hopefully you guys agree. So, why is Star Wars important to you, David? So I think... Get the microphone in place. If you look at Star Wars, and take it at face value. They're pretty good movies. Sure. Okay. The story is great. It's unlike any other story. It's where the good guy loves on the enemy to turn the enemy back to good. That message in itself is great. We love it. Original trilogy, great. Prequels, I'm a big fan. I know some people hate on them, but sequels, we, we'll talk about that. Lots um, <laughs> But I think at face value, the movies are very good. But that's not why I love Star Wars. I think once you start diving into the the itty bitty details behind the way they shoot the movie and the way the story is laid out and the way the animated shows add context to the characters of the movies, I think that's when... Star Wars becomes legit. Absolutely. I've always been a fan of the movies. Um, but honestly, the big light bulb moment for me, honestly, was when I start, started watching Clone Wars. And it was like, how, how did I not see all of this canon content? And it really gives so much depth to every single character. You know, I mean, we'll dive into Clone Wars so much. We can do 17 different episodes on just the Clone Wars and deep dive. But, like, Anakin as a character in Star Wars is very interesting. And Hayden Christensen gets gets a lot of hate for his role uh, in 2 and 3. 
but Anakin in Clone Wars is a total boss hero that you root for every step of the way. But you don't really get that with the movies. There's there's kind of a disconnect, and there's also he his his general turn towards the dark side is very sudden and quick and like, whoa man, like he's kind of this moody guy in the movies, but in the show he's a total hero, and he you see the very slow progression step by step where all of a sudden he stops believing in what the general is telling. He starts feeling a little bit more betrayed. And you can see the downward spiral, the manipulation from Palpatine, and all these steps that take place before he makes that decision to turn. Um, it was like, a, I watched the Clone Wars and I was like, holy cow, there's so many more layers to this. And then Instagram will constantly throw a video in front of my face where it's like George Lucas talking about a specific aspect of how he shot a certain movie or a certain character. And then Dave Filoni comes on the scene and he starts talking about uh, the Phantom Menace. Just recently, they did that roundtable discussion for Mandalorian with all the directors. And Dave Filoni drops this mind bomb on everybody, talking about how the Duel of the Fates in Episode One was really the the Duel of the Fates was Anakin's fate, and it was like when Qui Gon died, Anakin's fate was already sealed because Anakin needed a father figure more than he needed a brother. And with Obi-Wan surviving, he got a brother as a mentor and as a master instead of the father figure that he needed. And when he said that, everybody's heads in the Star Wars world exploded. And this was in 2020. Phantom Menace was released in like 99. So you're talking 21 years after the movie was released. Somebody comes into the scene with a new hot take that melted everybody's faces off. And it's like there are so many layers to this whole... Star Wars galaxy that George Lucas created. There's so many things about it where even today you can look back at a movie that's 21 years old and uncover new things about it and put a new uh, perspective on things. That's just like, that's what I love about it. There's always something new to talk about. There's always something even to go back and uncover from the old movie. So that's why I, I love Star Wars. And it never ends. You can always discuss something about it. Right. Um, I just watched episode one yesterday. And there's a scene where Palpatine is talking to all the Jedi. And, or no, maybe it's episode two. I don't remember now. Probably episode two. Yeah, because he's the Chancellor. It's episode two. Where he's talking to all the Jedi. And you have all these random people in the room. And you're like, who, who are these people? Like, if you just watch the movies, you're like, okay, there's a lot of Jedi in this room. But once you watch the animated show, yes. you're like, yo, that's Luminaro. <laughs> the chick with the headdress. Right. Yo, that dude is Kiati Mundi with the big head. Right. And that chick behind Luminara, that's Barris Afi. Right. You have no idea what's exactly. gonna happen with Barris Afi. Exactly. That is the deal. and that's what There's uh, so many stories to Dave be told. Filoni, who did Clone Wars, that is what he is a master at. He takes that obscure character that just walks like in the background of a scene in episode two, and you're like, Oh, that's an interesting looking alien. But then you go to the Clone Wars, and there's a four-part episode series about that specific character's home planet, their race, the politics that are going on in that planet, the war that's going on. And it's like, I, I remember seeing that alien character in, you know, episode three or whatever it was. It was just some no-name character that walked by, and Dave Filoni's like, I'm going to take that guy, and I'm going to show you all about his story. And, uh, yeah, that's the beauty of the shows, is they take... All those, all the things that really the movies can't explore. They only have so much time, um, and you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of Clone Wars where he can dive into that kind of stuff. So that's a lot of fun. That Dave Filoni does a great job of that. Another thing he does a great job of is just pulling old characters back uh, into the fold. That being said, my personal opinion is Star Wars is starting to rely a little too heavy on that. It's like, well. If we're going to do a Mandalorian episode, let's pull this person into the fold and let's bring back that person. Let's bring back that person. And initially it was like, yes, yes, yes. Well, do you really have to bring that guy back again? Do you really have to bring that character back? Are you really considering bringing that guy back from the dead, supposedly? There's rumors that Mace Windu might come back. And it's, I think that you need to have a healthy balance of introducing new characters while bringing back other just briefly briefly to appease some fans and kind of the nostalgia factor. Right. Um, I feel like that's where Disney's ruining Star Wars. 
somehow Palpatine's returned. <laughs> <laughs> that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, you were just at Disney. You were in Florida. Yeah. So, super cool. It's uh, set up in the Resistance era. Um, I think it'd be cooler if it was like prequel themed where you're walking around Coruscant type of thing. But it is what it is. Disney, their their brainchild is Rey and Kylo. And Disney gonna do So they're gonna diz that. Um, but yeah, walking around is super cool. You got stormtroopers walking around. You got the Millennium Falcon, you know, chilling with Chewie walking around, fixing random stuff on it. and Super cool. Um, they got a blue milk stand. What did that seem like? Uh, not milk. It was like a slushy. So that was weird. But you can get it alcoholic, too. So if you really want to feel that blue milk. Yeah. Did you go to the shop? So... Yeah. So that's where Disney kind of, I feel like, fails in a way. Um, We went into it with no plans. We just were going to go with the flow. And that's kind of where it backfired on us. So my big thing is I wanted to see the lightsabers. Like, I wanted to buy a lightsaber. Right. They've got the lightsaber shop with, like, the replicas of everybody's hilts and stuff. And then they've got the custom lightsabers where you can build your own. So we walked up to the lady to build our own. And she's like, yeah, you need to reserve that, like, two weeks ago. It's like, okay, well, that, like, the reason I'm in Florida is for that. So thanks, Margaret. Um, (laughs) Anyway, she's like, but we have a, another lightsaber store of, like, the replicas and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to see. She's like, okay, you're going to have to reserve a spot, though. It's like, why can't I walk into a store and look at the lightsabers? But yeah. so we reserved a spot, and two hours later, we finally walked in. And at that point, it's honestly genius on Disney's part because it creates this sense of, like, I can't miss out. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I have to wait two hours. I waited two hours, I waited two hours. I'm in here. I have to buy something. Just spend dollars. And what's cool is they literally have salesmen for each lightsaber hilt. Like you get assigned someone, you go up to them, and they're showing you the hilts. Hmm. The girl I had knew nothing about Star Wars, so I was a little upset. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, this kid next to me was checking out all the hilts, and uh, he's like, "Can I see the the dark saber?" And I was like, "Oh shoot." Like, so I'm, like, paying attention because Darksaber's legit. And he grabs it, and he's like, wow, it's really heavy. And I looked over at him and said, as it should be. <laughs> he had no idea what I was talking about, but... <laughs> but, no, it's cool. Like, walking around, seeing all the different stuff on the walls of the... It was, like, a sense of, like, nostalgia. Seeing, like, a Tauntaun mounted on the wall. Like, it was just cool. But... um. So I really wanted Luke's from episode six, Mm -hmm. but they were out of stock. So they had Dooku's, they had Ahsoka's, they had Kylo's, Shadow Mall, they called it, Mm -hmm. which... Like Rebels Mall? Yeah, I feel like it was kind of a lame name, but... um, But yeah, I went with Ahsoka's because I got two hilts. Nice. So... Those are pretty. In legit. my opinion, Ahsoka is everything that Disney is trying to turn Ray into. But the issue that Disney has is there's there is seventy hours of Ahsoka footage, and a lot of it is like when you've been exposed to a character for seventy hours. There's so many things that you grow to love about that character, and it's like Ahsoka is that strong female boss that they are trying to turn Ray into. But Ray, you have such a a limited window of just what she does in the movies and you kind of see like Boba Fett has this nostalgia around him for being in 5 and 6 but his screen time in 5 and 6 is so limited but he you know before they did the Boba Fett show he was considered one of like the all time greats there's so many people who love Boba Fett he's such a boss he's so mysterious and now they dove into his character a little bit and I think some people are upset with how he was portrayed in the show and it's almost like they are heavily, heavily pushing Ray in everything. Even um, so, the Lego Star Wars 
uh, game came out, and it's like the classic, you know, Luke's uh, Luke in the middle, and everybody, you know, he's got the lightsaber race to the, the sky. But instead of Luke, it's Ray. Ray is in the middle with her lightsaber up, and everybody's around Ray. And it's like, why is Ray in the middle? Why isn't Luke in the middle? Or even Anakin? But it's like this push for Ray to be the one character that everybody loves and surrounds. But in my opinion, like Ahsoka far is superior to her, and uh, and she's just so you know so much more about the character um, because of the hours you've seen of her. So that's kind of I don't know. I, Ray is fine in my opinion. It's just annoying how much they are like she's the one. She's the one. You want Ray. You want the Ray action figure. You want Ray to be the cover of the uh, video game. You want, and it's like, no, maybe just do Luke, or maybe just do Anakin. Right. But Ahsoka's a boss, so you've got those lightsabers. I think what's cool about Ahsoka too is everybody hated her. Yeah. In the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Dave Filoni was like, "What if Anakin had a Padawan?" And people were like, "What? Wow!" But she's. She's phenomenal. Yeah, she starts off super annoying, but she grows on you. So maybe there's hope for Rey. Well, that's the thing. I think it's really just ours. I mean, if they made Rey, if they had her come back in some way, and they were able to get more hours of show episodes, whatever it is, maybe you would grow to love that character a little bit more and learn a little bit more about the nuances of her um, personality and her power and you know the way she thinks. But... Even with the three movies, I feel like her screen time is still limited when you don't know enough about her to right. really make her like the focal point of Star Wars. With so much more Star Wars content, it's... Uh, right. And even just ending the sequels with her turning on her lightsaber. Right. Like, how do, how do you not give her that lightsaber in the first movie or like the beginning of the second movie? Sure. Like, Like, when I think of Dooku... I think of that's the dude with the crooked hilt. Right. Like that's his personality. With Ray, one, I hate the character. Two, her personality is around this fact that she doesn't know who she is and you're yeah. trying to learn. Right. And they go through all these different directors who are just handing each other the story and telling, yeah. you know what, I go mean, for we it. Can, we can get into the sequel movies. I'm sure we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it is what it is. I, honestly, I'm glad you didn't do the build your own hilt because everything I've seen uh, pictures of people posting the build your owns they look like super clunky. Yeah, and I feel like the components they give you. I mean, this is like deep dive Star Wars hilt <laughs> tearing apart what Disney has done. Uh, the build your own is a really cool concept, but I feel like the components they give you don't. It's like the ugliest looking hilt in the movies. That's the components they give you. Right. But the other thing is they're not going to be like, okay, here's some metal. This is how we weld it. True. This is how we shape it. <laughs> no, they're going to give you plastic to put together. True. But I I would rather get a replica than build my own. Yeah. So for you to get these soap and dual builders. Yeah, they're sweet. They're heavy. Like, I feel like I could do damage on someone with this. I mean, if you threw that, that would... Probably. I would have to go get it back though. <laughs> it's a lot of money, bro. Um, What's So we don't we don't necessarily have to go into that, but it was not cheaper than two hundred. I got you. It made you wait two hours so that they could capture your wallet. Right. What are you gonna do, Disney? But that's fun. I I I was in Florida just before you were in Florida for a family vacation. I was not able to go to Galaxy Edge. I wanted to take my sons. I have uh, three kids, two little boys. Once they're a little bit older, I want to take them because uh, I think it'll be fun. How was the millennium? So the millennium was good. I think, dude, the lines are crazy. Yeah. Like we, there's two Star Wars rides there. There's like the Resistance, mm -hmm. and then there's the Millennium Smugglers Run. I think it's called. Um, but the lines, like you're. It was like two hours wait just for the millennium. And then we look and you've got a three hour wait for the resistance. And at that point it's like, all right. See, that's the thing. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And there's no way I can sit in line for three hours with anything. Right. All right. So, you know, we're going to, we've got the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming up. Uh, part of, I mean, we've been talking about this for literally two years, starting this podcast. But 
the OB, really when Mando's was coming out, that was when we were like, shoot, we should probably start a podcast, we can talk about this, and then here we are, two seasons into Mando. Then it was like, Book of Boba Fett's coming out, we should start this. Got through the Book of Boba Fett, never started it. So Obi-Wan was like our big cutoff, like this, if this show is starting, we have to have this podcast up and running, because this is like, Daddy Wan Kenobi, granddaddy of them all, if he, if we're starting a show about Obi Wan Kenobi, we have to talk about this, right? Um, so that's that's our plan. Every time a show comes out, we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be breaking down the episode for you guys, trying to uh, fill you in on any Easter eggs or things we like, things we didn't like, give you enough score. Um, the overall, um, you know, overall show, overall episode, um, and I think next episode we'll probably break break down a little bit more what we're looking forward to that show and some of the rumors and some of the trailer breakdowns and all that. Um, I'm excited for the Obi-Wan show. He's one of my favorite characters. And the best part about Obi-Wan is he's not my favorite character from the movie. Um, he's got that great line to Palpatine where he says, uh, Sith Lords are our specialty. And then if you cut to all the times he's ever encountered a Sith Lord, he gets murked every chance that he's ever, <laughs> ever had against a guy, except for Darth Maul. And, uh, but he says that line, and it's so much more relevant when you see Clone Wars and you see who Obi-Wan is throughout Clone Wars. And we'll break down his story a little bit more in the next episode um, because he's a very, uh, I don't know, I just love him. He's, he's definitely my favorite. But um, that's what we're going to do. You know, there's, they've talked about movies coming out. They've talked about the Andor series coming out. You've got Bad Batch Season 2 coming out. Um, we're going to be here to talk about all that stuff, and we're excited for it. Um, but... This isn't just a Star Wars podcast, it's predominantly Star Wars, but we want to talk about other things that are happening uh, in Nerd Kingdom, Nerdville. So, David, what did you think about the Batman movie? It just got released on HBO, and uh, a lot of people are watching it now. So what were your thoughts on on the Batman scene? So, out of 10, I would give it a solid 9.6 out of 10. That's high praise. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it's my favorite superhero movie oh my. of all time. Oh, I think standalone, my favorite superhero movie. Why do you think that? You, I mean, you can get into Marvel and talk about how, you know, from the start of Iron Man, how all these movies incorporated into the next movies and sure. into the next. It's a big story. A huge one that Marvel built. That's right. If I'm talking about a standalone movie, yeah. I'm giving it Batman, Robert Pattinson. Okay, best superhero movie I've ever seen. I would, uh, I would say I totally agree with you. I gave it a nine point eight out of ten. My favorite Batman movie by far. Um, we saw it in the theater together. How many times did you see it? Three. <laughs> I saw it twice. Um, and in the we were forty percent through the movie, and I looked at you and I said, "This is already my favorite Batman movie." I don't even know where this is going. I don't know how this is ending, but this is already better than all the other ones. And I think what Matt Reeves did that was amazing was he clearly is a fan of the video games because Batman in this movie was such a detective. He was the smartest guy in the room. Um, it was still a very he's, he plays Batman. He's been doing it for two years. He still doesn't have all doesn't have crazy tech. He still is figuring it out. But in terms of just the the way that he pieces everything together, I mean, the action, the fighting was better than any other Batman movie, in my opinion. And uh, what's funny is I didn't expect this to be the best Batman movie. Uh, when they cast Robert Pattinson, my initial gut reaction was, what the heck, why that guy? Vampire boy. Right. And then you see, like, little teasers of the Batsuit that they had and his motorcycle. And it's like, the Batsuit honestly looked like his cowl. It looked like this is like a CW, like TV show type of quality. But the way they shot this movie, that bat suit looked better than any other bat suit. Yeah, in my opinion. for sure. And it's something I just the way they shot it, it reminded me so much of the video games. And part of it again, like what I was saying with Ahsoka and Ray, like you only got exposed to uh, Ben Affleck's Batman for so many hours. He was only in what two, three movies, and you know you watch him a few times each. You've only been exposed to Ben Affleck's Batman for maybe a total of nine or ten hours. You've only been exposed to Christian Bale's Batman across the three movies you've seen multiple times, called 20 hours. Um, but I have played those darn video games for like hundreds of hours, and I feel like this movie was the video game Batman. It looked like him. Cinem- cin- the cinematography of the movie was so similar to the video game. 
Um, and he just looked so good in the bad suit. I, mm-hmm. I kept, when I saw it the second time, I kept thinking like, why do I love this so much? Why do I love him in that bad suit so much? It just reminded me so much of the video games, and I think that's why I loved it. Right, even just the fighting, the combos, yeah. the... <laughs> Who are you? I love how reckless he was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah, like his, the opening scene, I mean, we're, at this point, it's on HBO, so we can talk a little bit about it. The opening sequence and the monologue that he gives, and like, every everything where they're afraid of the shadows. The, and, yeah, the whole setup to that movie yeah. of them explaining, and, showing Gotham, the crime right. in Gotham, explaining the... Just the crime, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. All, everything that's going on, and no matter what happens, everybody's looking over their shoulder as soon as that bad signal goes out. But then when he finally shows up, it's like, all I want to see is my Batman just get there goes Dark Maul. All I want to see is my Batman destroy a group of thugs easily. And uh, he does that so many times in the movie. I said this, like when we walked into the theater, our good cousin Sean walked in saying, Good, I just hope good cousin. he's the goodest cousin. He's the best of the goodest. He's the um, <laughs> uh, he said going into this movie, I just hope this movie was worth being made. And it's like, that's exactly, that was the best way to put it because it's like, man, if you're going to rehash this and you're going to make another Batman and you're going to bring this Robert Pattinson guy on, it better be worth it. Because, man, I, if you just are right. just trying to make money off of this, I'm going to be really upset. But. Geez, it was worth making. They freaking knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. Um, the best part of, in my opinion, um, Ben Affleck's Batman, the best scene that he had was when, it was right after the infamous Martha sequence, and he goes and he saves Superman's mom. And he busts into that warehouse, and you see just like this peak Batman, what he's capable of, him using Alfred to call out where he should be. He's using all of his gadgets, and he just destroys this warehouse full of guys. And it's like, that was peak Batman. This movie with Pattinson has that scene 10, 11, 12 times over where he just continuously kicks butt, and I loved every second of it. Um, I thought the Riddler was great, too. I mean, as a villain, I I, I think what the best way I described it was uh, you know, you talk about Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, I think the villains of Dark Knight were like 10 out of 10, but I think the villains of this movie were easily 9 out of 10. I mean, between Penguin, Riddler, uh, you know, all the all the mob bosses, it just, it was done very, very well. And I feel like Matt Reeves could make another seven movies and I would, I would be there for opening and every single time. Right. I think the other thing too is you... You take this Batman movie scene for scene, like you you press pause at any moment and it looks like it's taken out of a comic book. Like it's yeah. so just like cinem- cinematically beautiful. Yeah. Like every scene. Like you could randomly pause and it's like I would want that as my phone background. Right. Like that looks sweet. Gotham was set up super dark and gothic how it should be. I, I just thought it looked sweet. And there was a lot of unique takes and unique uh, angles that Matt Reeves. There's like, you know, Batman's been done so many times over, but he still made it kind of his own and still made it unique enough where it's like, man, how can you how can you approach this from a, a different angle? And I think he did a really good job of that. Even just like little things. Like, you know, he's on the motorcycle a lot. His, his uh, Batmobile is just like a souped up roadster, you know, like sports car. With a rocket on the back. So, side note, I will never not see a movie in Dolby opening Word. night. Word. Because when the sound is like so encapsulating, like when he turned on his Batmobile that first time, I almost pooped my pants. <laughs> like, like I felt it. Yeah. It was so cool. The two times we saw it, we saw it in Dolby and then we saw it in IMAX. I thought the IMAX experience was going to be similar to the Dolby. It didn't even compare. No. I mean, when he fires up that Bat- Batmobile, that is such an iconic scene. Um, and yeah, you're right. It just rumbles you to the core. The problem was I had to pee the whole movie and I was terrified to leave because I didn't want to miss anything. And the Dolby seat did not help me. Uh, but I did hold it. I mean, I looked at you at one point, it was halfway through the movie, I was like, I, I took my chair from recline to upright because I was ready to bolt to come back. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. You like, I wouldn't leave. <laughs> I was like, okay, I won't. <laughs> so I didn't. 
And I'm glad I didn't because, I mean, there was a couple parts in the movie where I probably could have left and I wouldn't miss that much, but man, everything about that movie, just the ride that it takes you on, the, the murder mystery uh, aspect of it, I, I loved it. And it wasn't, I mean, it's a murder mystery, but instead of, you know, John Stamos playing some guy named Frank Richter, who's some CIA agent, it's Batman being the one who's trying to figure all this out. And uh, I appreciated it even more the second time I saw it because you see how the Riddler manipulates everything, how everything ties together, the layers of it, um, where in the the theater the first time, you're just trying to keep up with the story and you're trying to watch what's going on. But then the second time, you already know what's happening. Um, it makes you appreciate every step along the way a lot more. So if you've seen him once, see it again, and then probably a third time too. I think it's crazy too. That's the first time we've seen the Riddler. Like it's always the Joker. Everybody wants their take on the Joker. Right. Um, but Batman is the world's greatest detective. He, he's the good one. What better way to show that than with the Riddler, who yeah. sets things up to where you need to figure it out. Yeah. How has no one done this before? And, <laughs> like, seriously. And the, the best part, and, and well, that's kind of the, I don't even remember which one of the Batman video games it is, but the one video game is like Riddler is keeping you strong along the entire video game. Yeah. And uh, what I loved about this movie was a little bit of a spoiler, but towards the end, you know, the Riddler gets uncovered, they take him to prison, and it's like, <laughs> that that was great because Riddler gets taken into custody, and you looked at me while we were in the theater, and you go, there's still an hour left in this movie. I was like, <laughs> what? How is that even possible? So then the second time we saw it, I said the same thing to our buddy, Tyler. He's like, dude, there's still <laughs> because you're like well they're wrapping this up it's not it's not going to be much more but there's a lot more and part of it is he leaves you know they they raid the riddler's apartment they leave he's in custody and when he gets to the riddler the riddler wants to talk to him he's like he basically finds out that he missed one of the clues like he doesn't have the whole picture of what's happening and riddler's like you missed the clue so batman has to go back to his apartment and figure out what he missed. And I love that because that is me playing that stupid video game. The amount of times that I was in a room and I, the game makes you go in like detective mode where you have to scan something and take a picture of something. And I would not know what to do. I would be scanning every square inch of the room and I could not figure out what to do. So I'm like, screw it. I leave the room. I try to progress in the video game, try to progress in the storyline. And then it's like, no, you can't progress. You, you miss something. So I'd have to go back to the stupid room go on YouTube, figure out what am I supposed to take a picture of? And then you finally scan the right thing. It's like, all right, now you're progressing. So I feel like Matt Reeves has played the video game and I feel like he uh, has gotten into that situation because he put Batman in that exact same thing. Like, no, you don't have all the pieces. You better go back to the room and start scanning stuff. I love that. I love, I mean, the way that Matt Reeves did this movie was so well done. Was it perfect? No. Um, one of the things I did not care for was Bruce Wayne. But uh, Pattinson's Bruce Wayne was was <laughs> not my favorite. Um, he's very edgy. He's Where very are you? <laughs> and I'm so sorry. He's very emo. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, Bruce Wayne wasn't in this movie enough for it to ruin it for me. And there was so much Batman in this movie that it didn't matter that Bruce Wayne was kind of off because right. the Batman was 10 out of 10. My favorite depiction of Batman by far. And he was the, he's the thinnest Batman, which I know you were upset with. So that's why I gave it a 9.6. I think I would have gave it a 9.8 if Pattinson had a little more muscle mass. But that scene, there's a scene where he's moving the table, and it's a high shot looking down at his back, his shirtless back, and you just see his shoulder blades, like, coming together as he's moving this table. And it's like... You know, when I go to the gym, like I want to look like Batman, so I'm gonna right. I'm gonna strap a 45 pound plate to my my waist right. and try to do a pull up. Like the montages that they did with Ben Affleck, where he's just squatting right. 700 pounds and he's right. he's doing pull ups with a 180 pound strap to his belt. Right. Yeah. That's, that was the good thing about Ben Affleck's Batman. I personally never care for it, though. It's hard to, when you have an uh, actor that is like so well-known in so many other movies, it's hard to take him out of all those other roles and throw him into a role that everybody knows so well and a character that everybody knows so well. Uh, whereas I never saw uh, Twilight, so I never had this like idea of what Pattinson was, and it didn't like persuade my idea of who he was. 
watching Batman. I could see him as Batman. I could see him as Bruce Wayne. Even though I didn't care for his Bruce Wayne, um, it didn't matter. Because, I mean, if you've seen the movie, there's not enough Bruce Wayne scenes to ruin it. And one of the Bruce Wayne scenes, the whole funeral scene, I thought that was done so well. I mean, it kept you on the edge of your seat the whole time. And that connection that he had with that little boy where he's constantly like, I mean, that little boy's going through exactly what he went through. And uh, I think they did a really good job of like tying that little boy into the, into the story, beginning, middle, and end. Um, yeah. What did you think? Yeah, I think... I feel like there's already a plan for more movies. I hope so. I think he went into this, you know, establishing like Batman is going to be BA. Like this is going to be the best Batman you've seen. Right. Next movie, I could probably see him diving more into Bruce. Bruce. Sure. Because because Batman isn't Bruce Wayne. Batman's identity is Batman. Right. And then Bruce Wayne is like his alter ego, kind of like in. like the Christian Bale ones when he goes to that party and it's like a mask party and he doesn't wear a mask and they ask him what it like what are you dressed up as and he says Bruce Wayne billionaire playboy because mm-hmm. that's his act yeah Batman is who he is yeah, and that was kind of what was missing in the show is normally there's like a switch that gets turned on and off where when he's being Bruce Wayne he's being a totally different person right and, and it was almost like he was the same person whether he had the collar on or not um but Something I want to add to, 9.6 out of 10, I said if he had a little more muscle mass, I'd give it a 9.8. I want to add to the point two that's missing. Mm-hmm. I hate the way he walks. <laughs> like Slow strut? Straight up. There's a scene where he gives, like the first time you meet Alfred, he gives him some sass and then he walks away. When he walks away, I wanted to throw up. <laughs> I hate his walk. Okay, he's so stiff and just like, like if you watch his legs, there's no like hip movement. It's literally just like a stiff body, like moving towards this elevator. That pissed me off for some reason. I don't know why. The only the reason I gave it a nine point eight. The one scene I I really did not like was the scene where Alfred is in the hospital and he visits him. He's so, and this is part of the reason why I didn't care for his Bruce Wayne, he's so cold and emotionless in a moment when he should, like, break down and be emotional, and it's just, like, he's still just, like, stonewalled, like, not showing any emotion, which I guess is kind of the, a lot of people have criticized him for that in previous movies, and with Twilight, there's, you know, a bajillion memes about Twilight and how ridiculous it is, never seen it, but, yeah, I, that was the scene that really was... I, in the theater, when the scene ended, I like said to myself, like, I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that scene. And even seeing it the second time, I didn't like it even more. I just wish he would have shown more emotions. Like, he almost lost the only father figure he had, and he still wasn't like... Like, Alfred, I think, reaches out his hand to him, and he, like, slowly and, like, barely takes it. And then he just, like, stone faces and gets all moody, and it's like... I don't know. I didn't like that. It wasn't warm enough for me in a scene that should have been warmer. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Overall, baller movie, super recommend it. I mean, it. Everybody says is it better than Dark Knight? Is it better than Dark Knight? In my opinion, I. It's part of it is the nostalgia of or the the excitement of walking out of the theater and you're hyped out of your mind watching that Batman movie. But if I really look at it uh, and try to be as unbiased as possible, I think that Robert Pattinson's better than Christian Bale. I like him a lot more. Yeah. I would say Keith Ledger as Joker is the best villain of all time. I don't think you can beat that. No, I agree. But I think this Batman movie was more... It was a different side of Batman. It was, we're going to establish Batman. He's a detective, you know. Whereas Christian Bale's was like, okay, Joker is off the wall. And he's going to test Batman's, like, morals and rules. Mm-hmm. And it was more, it, it's a different message. It's a different theme of, you know, the villain challenging who he is rather than this villain, the Riddler, challenging him. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah, I agree. He's not just a psychopath. It's like, you learn his backstory, you learn his motivation. I mean, that's any, any story gets you, uh, any story that gets you wrapped up in the villain's character and you start to sympathize with them a little bit or you start to understand where they're coming from, that's where it can really take it to another level. 
Whereas with Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker, the dude is just, he just wanted to watch the world burn. I mean, it was a different animal. Um, our buddy Tyler said it best when he was like, that actor who played Riddler just has the most punchable face in the universe. Yeah. Where you're just like, I hate this guy. <laughs> I know nothing about him, but I hate him. And what was, my favorite thing is at the end, spoiler alert, a little bit. The end when they tie it all together with like his internet chat friends. I love that so much because like, of course, this creep who's been doing this has these followers where it's like, he gets in front of the camera and he's like, hey guys, so thanks for the help with the detonators. And he's just like, he's just this dweeb who's got these internet followers. But then... A neckbeard. Yeah, a bunch of neckbeards. But then when all of those neckbeards show up in the end, yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh, no, they're like buying these masks and they're going to like carry this out. Um, that was, the ending is done so well. Uh, I loved the, uh, I'm blanking, towards the end when he's, he gets knocked out and then that guy starts choking out Catwoman and he stims himself, Yeah, he injects himself in the leg. That scene is so fire um, and it's just, <laughs> there's so many memes where it's like, I can't wait to go to work and inject my leg with some Mountain Dew so I can go sickle mode, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was just the... Seeing it the second time, the one thing I enjoyed so much was the music and the score, yeah. the sound effects. Yeah, um, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, and I'm gonna butcher it. But Michael, Michael Gian- yeah. Giancino, or Giancino, I'm gonna have to look up the pronunciation. He is my favorite, and not many people are talking about this, but he was the one who composed this movie, and he a they did an amazing job integrating the original Batman. Uh, you know, theme song into it in multiple layers. There's like a, there's the main theme that you hear on Instagram reels every single day that everybody's using. There's the main Batman theme, but then even like throughout, there's like an acoustic version that plays subtly in the background. Um, the sound effects are just ridiculous. There's the baller hallway scene that he has in every aspect of the movie. Michael Giancino is amazing. He, uh, he did the soundtrack for Lost, which is my all time favorite show. I still have multiple uh, songs from Lost on random soundtracks on my phone, on, on my Spotify account. And uh, I had to throw that in there, so that's Spotify would one day pick up the show. Hashtag. Royalty. And so he, he did Lost. He did a ton of Pixar movies, Inside Out. Um, he did, uh, shoot, I'm liking, what else did he do? He did Up. Uh, I mean, if you if you're watching Instagram Reels, look at the sound clip, and he is like seventy percent of Instagram Reels. He is the go, and not enough people are giving him credit for this movie, in my opinion. Not enough people are talking about it. I think one more thing I'd want to add. I think this Batman movie is better the second time, and probably the best the third time. I haven't seen it three times yet. Because the first time, you take what they're giving you, and it's a lot. You're getting thrown a lot lot of stuff, and you're trying to keep up with what they're giving you. Right. The second time, you know the ending. You know you can follow it. You can follow the story more. The third time, you know the story. You know the Riddler. You know what he's done. You can start to see the full circle effect of, like, I don't want to ruin the movie, but when Riddler uses in the first scene how that comes back in the last scene yeah. and how it all ties together and mm-hmm. you see like a more kind of like star wars like once you see more and more and you find the like the little details it gets better and that's what this podcast is all going to be about right. there's so many people who know layer one and layer two and maybe even layer three but once you get down to like no this character connects to that and this easter egg was because of that and like once you start learning that stuff, you gain such an appreciation for the characters and storylines and the directors and everything. And um, that's what I'm excited to talk about because all those, all those you know details that not enough people know about. But and, and we're gonna learn more too. Like I said in the beginning, we don't know everything by any means. Uh, I would not call us experts, but we are we are pretty well versed in this stuff. Uh, we've read and watched enough to know enough to talk for a good 45 minutes or so. So that's what we're gonna try to do. Um, yeah, I mean, Batman was baller. I think too. One more thing I want to add: you said how sweet like the music was, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned the hallway scene. Yeah, and I think it's cool because they almost set up Batman as like a Vader. Like there's like a parallel. Sure. But Vader's got his hallway scene where he just 
<laughs> You've got Vader or uh, Batman who walks in through the elevator. Like you've got these epic moments and it's they both have like their like theme playing too. Like right. this personality they right. create behind them with music is like I was I was texting a buddy about that scene, the hallway scene in Batman, and I was like it's like classic like Star Wars because in Star Wars uh you know Luke just had his hallway scene in Mando. Darth Maul had his hallway scene in Clone Wars season seven. Vader had his hallway scene in Rogue One, and my buddy was like, yeah, that, that hallway scene in Batman looks so familiar because I guess the cinematographer or somebody involved with that was the same person who did Rogue One. Is the same guy, and it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense because the way they, they shot that, the way they lined it up, it's uh, super well done. Yeah, it's a cool parallel. That Vader scene uh, at the end of Rogue One is like, top three favorite movie going experiences in my life that vader scene because i it, you don't know it's coming and it's like all you want to see is an uber powerful vader because we haven't really seen that in the movies um it was everything i ever wanted and then there's rumors that we're going to see a super powerful vader in the obi-wan show which i'm really excited about uh, i'm interested to see how they're going to tie his character in because there's like little hints in episode four that Obi-Wan and Vader had met previously, somewhat recently before then. Um, but I'm interested to see how they tie all the canon together to make it cohesive where Obi-Wan somehow faces Vader again in this show. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. Brad. I trust them to do it, but I don't know how they're going to do it. Brad. I think the people that I trust most in Star Wars right now are Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and uh, what's her name? Bryce Dallas Howard? See, I don't know. I think I like her. No, I'm not talking about her. I mean Favreau. Favreau. He kind of. I mean, I I love the guy, but Book of Boba Fett. I'm did not leave a good taste in my mouth. Less. We'll end with this, and this has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> you said your top three. It, the Vader hallway is your top three movie. Yeah. What are the other two? Uh-huh. Off the top, go. Captain America, catching the hammer. Yep. <laughs> I jumped out of my seat when that happened. Um, gosh, what's the other one? Um, honestly, I think uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I think Andrew Garfield catching Zend- Zendayana, I call her, Zendaya. <laughs> Wait, why? Because she's going to unique me. When Andrew Garfield catches Zendaya, I think that was like a. I I would say that was my number three moment of like, shoot, they tied all that together real well, and they they freaking pull your heartstrings real well. They did they did a really good job with that movie. Everybody loves the scene where the three Spider Men come swinging around, like that's what you'll see on reels twenty four seven. But at that point, they had already been together in the movie for a good thirty minutes, so it's like it wasn't this like unexpected moment it was just like all right we're all in our suits we're all gonna make this baller entrance and land on the statue of liberty but the andrew garfield catching zendaya was unexpected you didn't know what was going to happen and it was shot so well where you think tom's going to get her and he doesn't and you're like oh no that was number three i'd say captain america catching the hammer one vader in the hall two andrew garfield what are you we're gonna have to pause. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I need to pray about this. <laughs> I was gonna. Okay. One is definitely Cap before yeah. I say all this. Yeah. One is definitely Cap. Because Cap has 20 plus movies of buildup, and then that moment is like, somebody held the hammer finally. I like when Luke shows up too. I see. I need to think about this. Like, in Mando? That's not a movie, though. How about this? What is your favorite Star Wars moment? I'm watching the... I watched 4 and 5 with my 5-year-old, and I can say that I appreciate 4 and 5. We haven't gotten to 6 yet, because honestly, the ending of 5 kind of messed him up. I mean, the guy's dad tries to... You know, he's attacking him, he's fighting his dad the whole time, and he finds out. It's like... Dad, do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah, I appreciate four and five so much more. And that's a beauty of Star Wars. Every time I see it, I pick up something new, even though that movie's fifty years old or whatever. Uh, I still pick up little things, and I appreciate characters more than I did previously. Um, my all-time favorite brief little moment that is so hype in, the, in all of Star Wars: Episode One, Duel of Fates, Obi Wan when the ray uh, the ray blast shield opens up and he goes after Darth Maul. I just, that is the most hype moment in all Star Wars. You can feel Obi Wan's rage. Literally, I watched that last night, and the, it's funny that you're saying that because I literally was like sitting there with Emily, like waiting for her reaction, and she's like, and then she looks at me and goes, "I thought Jedi weren't supposed to respond with anger," and I was like, "But he's pissed." That boy went pissed mode. He he did go pissed. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out so fire, and there's that great meme where it's like there's the clip of the MMA commentators going, wow, wow, oh my god!" It's like the Naboo uh, security guards watching the the footage the next day. <laughs> when Obi Wan comes out of that shield, he is going so hard at Maul. It's my favorite moment of all Star Wars. I think I, I was- could watch that on loop before I go to the gym, and it would have great effects to pump you up. So, speaking of that, there's a song called Duel of Fates. I think it's called the Epic Version. By Andrew Kim? By Samuel Kim. Samuel Kim. That is a go-to max out song. Like a PR. If I'm deadlifting 500 pounds, that's my song. Yeah, I hear that. Which you have. You have deadlifted 500 I've, I've done that. We're probably going to make some fitness references here and there. As much as Star Wars is a part of our lives, we also like to work out. We're into that kind of stuff. Um, but... Yeah, I that that is an all time moment for me. Um, I think Luke's hallway in Mando. In Mando, Luke's always great because Vader's hallway is legit, right. but Luke's is like you see the parallel to Vader's, right? So it adds it has another layer to it, right. and that's what Filoni is a genius at. And at that point, Luke really isn't that cool we have if you think about it no same thing i mean we have not seen like an uber powerful loop he got very little training from yoda he went and fought vader and palpatine and it's like all the legends and books have luke being this uber powerful you know what you would expect from the son of anakin skywalker but um we have not seen like a super powerful loop and i think that's what was cool in in the show for them bringing him up yeah, I'm excited for for more Mando. I love the character. I think what they've done with him is great. Um, yeah, anything I, else? Yeah, I think I've got it. My favorite Star Wars moment. Episode three might not be the best movie. I think it gets a lot of hate, but Obi Wan versus Anakin, you can't beat that. No, like no no other movie can beat a sword fight. Never. The emotion, the music. The dialogue. <laughs> you are my brother, Anakin. <laughs> like, yeah. dude, what is it the, hits so hard. I have that song on one, on a random playlist, and when it comes up, I never skip it. It's so whether I'm driving to work or to the gym or sitting on the toilet, it is a baller song. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't> even, <laughs> oh, John Williams is coming back for the Obi Wan series too. Yeah, he's giving him his own theme. Baller, John Williams is going. He's the OG. Yeah. He's the oest of Jesus. He's got that G in his own. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I don't know if there's much more for us to talk about today. We don't want to. I mean, we could go for hours, but we want to save more episodes. Trying to here. keep it structured. Yeah. But we're figuring this out, guys. We're going to. I think we're going to get better and better every time we do this. We're going to have more more structure and um, more stuff to talk about, especially with Obi Wan coming. We're excited for that. Um, so, I think we can close it out here. Uh, we appreciate you listening. I'm Austin. It's, I am David. And we are 99. On a scale of 1 to 9, we are 99. Good night, ladies and gentlemen.